Men and Christian Friendship, It Won't Just Happen on Its Own, by Sean McAvoy. Proverbs 17.17 A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. I own many books, but the ones I reference often I keep above my desk at work. One of these is a 1983 edition of David W. Smith's The Friendless American Male. It's a title that, sadly, has only grown more accurate in the last three decades, its content more applicable. Men, especially us hardworking, married-with-children types, are lacking in close biblical friendships. The reasons are varied and several, and it's not my intent in the space of a daily devotional to present or solve them all. Suffice to say that most men I talk with vouch for the lack of quality friendships in their life, even if they speak of different reasons for the condition. It's something I worry about, something I marvel at when I consider some of the differences between myself and my own father. For example, back when my father was climbing the ladder in the Tucson real estate industry and had children the ages mine are now, his weekends were all his own. Tennis in the morning on both Saturday and Sunday, Soaking up sun at the pool or doing yard work in the afternoons, watching sports or even working in the evenings, a quarterly fishing trip. Several of these activities involved his friends and acquaintances. It must be pointed out that he didn't know or serve the Lord at this time in his life, but it's also important to note that, to the best of my recollection, we kids weren't starved for his attention or affection. It still seemed like we were close and had plenty of time together. So I merely use my father as the model I was shown for what men were expected, allowed, to do and be socially in the 1970s. At some point, things changed, and yes, in most ways, for the better. Men began leaving their work at work, being conscious about setting aside time for family activities, reserving weekends for playing with their kids and going to soccer games rather than hitting the tennis court or the golf links or the lake. But technology, instead of saving us time, only seemed to create more ways in which we could spend it working. Where my father routinely met his buddies for a beverage after work, it's all I can do to rush home, swallow some food, and not leave my wife and kids feeling neglected before I log on for another couple hours of work and then an exhausted collapse into bed. Meeting another dude for a beer or coffee? Seriously, I don't want to laugh, but when... Even if I had a hole in my schedule, what makes me think the person I might invite, even if I knew someone well enough to want to spend time with him, would have time and desire too? I was heavily involved in our adult Bible fellowship at our former church for years, and I can count on one hand the times I did something outside of church with any of the men in that group. So something is definitely missing. Somewhere we went too far. I remember being single and having the privilege to work with two very close friends in our college admissions office, both of whom were newly married. Yet getting them to do anything social outside work was just about impossible. One of them wouldn't even go see a movie with me, one that I was offering to pay for. On the night, his wife was busy studying for her nursing final exams. The other wouldn't even ask his wife whether he could put off lawn mowing for one more day to attend a minor league baseball game with a mutual friend who was in town for just one night. What was going on? Sure, I was tempted to blame their wives for not letting their husbands out to play. 
But even if there was truth to that notion, it wasn't the issue. The issue was, and is, that men simply are not bonding much these days. That the Bible speaks about friendship and male leadership and iron sharpening iron, and we are either purposefully choosing or unwittingly failing to make bonding and sharpening a priority. So what do we do? The only answer I have is something. For me, that something arrives every March. That's when I and 13 of my friends from college and camp get together for a long weekend of fishing, good food, fantasy baseball drafting, NCAA tournament watching, and most importantly, fellowship. We call it Draftmas because it's very much like a holiday for us. And it centers around our fantasy baseball draft and league as a device to draw us all together, give us common footing. But to a man, most would tell you that the baseball is not the point. So what is? Let's refer back to the friendless American male. On page 52, Smith writes, Close friendships don't just happen. They result from the application of principles recorded throughout the Word of God. He contrasts the kindness and affection that David and Jonathan shared with the lack of sympathy and overt emotional harassment and condemnation Job experienced with his pals, Zophar, Eliphaz, and Bildad. The difference, Smith says, can be found throughout the Bible in these six principles of male friendship. One, God-centered. Two, formation of a covenant. Three, faithfulness. Four, social involvement. Five, candor. Six, respect. Just as Amos 3.3 says, Do two men walk together unless they have made an appointment? So do we display an intentional commitment to this activity as central to who we are as men, to who we want to be the rest of the year for our families and each other. While having close friends who don't live near me, but whom I'm always in contact with, does, admittedly, sometimes hinder me making new friends locally, it also serves to remind me how making new friends is possible and necessary. And I can see Smith's principles at work in this treasured group. God is indeed at the center of each of our lives. We've formed an agreement to meet together and communicate together around something we all enjoy and are faithful to that agreement, to God, and to each other. We all fill roles and are active socially and economically with each other, lending a hand in often amazing ways when needs arise. We are free to speak candidly, and we respect the various issues everyone brings to the table. Sometimes those issues are big ones. Joblessness, crises of faith, being overwhelmed, economic hardship, remarriage, career decisions, waiting on God, loneliness, recently deceased parents, autism, health. I'm already wondering how different this gathering is going to be from past ones. But even when trials are shared, this is never a downer of a mancation. In fact, I can't wait to get out of town to really bounce ideas and prayers off my friends, really seek out ways we can help each other, while all the time catching more fish and outbidding them for Bryce Harper. About five years ago, one of our group told me, you know this is only going to get harder to keep up the older we get. I disagreed. Several of us are only finding it easier. For one thing, Our wives have come to see the difference in their men when they spend this time with each other, 
Mine practically pushes me out the door, even though the event is often close to her birthday weekend. It's not a perfect answer to what I'm missing and seeing so many other men miss in their lives, but it's a start and even, I realize now, a model. Intersecting Faith and Life What common interest can you center a group of Christian men around? It should be an excuse, a starting point, a conversational diving board. While things like sports, fishing, golfing, and other stereotypical male things are good, bear in mind that no one man enjoys all of these activities or subjects, and often it's a sore spot with him, one that might be the very thing that deep down has him feeling like not as much of a man. Wives, you can help wake up your listless man by hooking him up with his friends, not your friend's husbands on a grown-up play date, Letting him reconnect with those who share his memories and the activities he used to enjoy. Several healthy couples I know set aside one weekend every year for each person to spend a same-sex getaway with close friends, while also not feeling threatened by the idea of an evening here and afternoon there causing any damage to the relationship. If anything, it'll make your marriage healthier and bring you back together with things to talk about and pray for. For further reading... Visit 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4, and 1 Samuel 19, 1 through 10. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us for the Crosswalk.com devotional podcast. To get all of our episodes straight to your phone during the week, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find more devotional content like this, head over to Crosswalk.com. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.